What's going on, everybody? I'm with my buddy, Brad. Hey, everybody. I'm Brad. How you doing? I'm with my buddy, Andrew. What's up? Going? What's going on, guys? And this is the Two Cents Podcast. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, before we started recording, we were kind of just talking about personal responsibility, and I uh, yes, sir. brought up a, a pretty interesting book that I was, you know, recommended to read a, a while back called The Go-Giver. It's written by Bob Berg and John D. Mann. Um, and basically in the book, it kind of outlines uh, these five quote-unquote laws of stratos- stratospheric, sorry, that's a hard word, <laughs> stratospheric success. Um, and we were just kind of talking about those. So Brad and I actually had a few disagreements on these different topics. Um, sure so did. we're kind of, we're going to dive into that a little bit and see if we can hash some things out. <laughs> so Brad, do you want to start with the first one or... Yeah, I mean, let's just dive in. All Number right. one, what do we got? All right, well, in the book, it outlines these five um, five laws, basically, for success, or for stratospheric success, rather. Mm-hmm. And it has no particular tie to any sort of, you know, industry or even, you know, a job per se. I think the overarching concept of these quote-unquote laws is that if you apply these to your life, you have more likelihood that you will succeed in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so the first one it outlines is the law of value. And basically what it says is your true worth is determined by how much you give in value than you take in payment. So essentially what they're trying to try to explain there is kind of like if you if you're willing to give more to others and you're willing to put in your value as much as you can, then you will be compensated justly. But you cannot expect to be compensated um, more than what you're willing to put in. So that's kind of at least my synopsis of this. Uh, Brad actually had a little bit of a disagreement with this beforehand, so I'm going to let him go ahead and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so I disagree with the naming, the nomenclature, I guess, of the law in the first place, quote-unquote law. Mm-hmm. Um, when talking specifically about success or career, like economical business success, then... I can agree with a lot of these laws and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm no successful businessman mm-hmm. yet. You know, maybe as I grow older and know and experience more, then I'll agree with them more. And you get that happy hippie tie-dye going. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody go follow happy hippie TD on Instagram or follow the page happy hippie tie-dye on Facebook. That's T-I-E-D-Y-E. Give Don't get some it confused, love. Folks. Give some love. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so calling them laws to live by outside of your, uh, again, career life is, I think, an issue because one, I don't think one of the great things, one of the things that makes America great is, you know, the freedom, obviously the freedom to express yourself in different ways and, when we make laws, generally, they are to deter abhorrent behavior or things that do not mesh within our system, mm. you know? And so that is kind of what a law is for, basically a foundation, something that you can't escape. You can build things off of that, whether it be, you know, a laws of physics or a political law. But calling it a law is... Again, just very 
a little too strict for me. Call me a call me a free anarchist soul, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little it's a little too strict for me when I'm uh, going about my day to day. If these are uh, business laws of success or you know career oriented laws, then I think they're very good or uh, oriented towards your community. <clears throat> but if you break it down into a more personable relationship kind of thing, I think that's where they break apart. And okay. Do you agree with that or disagree? So, I would agree with your analysis of what a law is and mm-hmm. kind of how they use the word uh, law mm-hmm. in this. And I think that it's kind of definitely over oversimplified a little bit. Um, but I would I would disagree in that these ideas cannot be put into personable day to day interactions like. For instance, you and me are good friends, right? Yep. Um, and so... For now. For now, you know. Depends on how this podcast ends. <laughs> <Shit, laughs> <happen, let's> uh, <laughs> but, no, so I think that, like, with you and me, we're both trying to give each other more value than what we're trying to take from each other, right? We don't want to be battery drainers. We want to be battery chargers. And I, so I think that if you kind of break it down in that regard, um, it actually applies quite well, you know? You want to give your friends, your families, your colleagues, more of a boost than you do a negative drain from them. Because if you boost them up, then it's only going to reward you even more so. Um, But the law kind of talks about, or the idea rather, kind of talks about how um, you're only worth how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Um, It's not necessarily how much you give in value, period. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I think if you break it down into those regards, it kind of can fit into into a personal relationship. Like, you know, I don't want to make you feel like a piece of shit, or I don't want to make you think that you're lesser than you are, or I don't want you to feel like, or make you think that um, I'm better or anything like that. I want to mm-hmm. try to push you as far as you can go as a friend, because... I believe that not only will it benefit you, but it will benefit me. Because if you're getting pushed further, then you're only going to want me to be pushing further. And so it's kind of that give and take situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I would disagree. But I'm open to open to hear your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I definitely hear what you're saying. And I agree kind of with what you're saying, but how you're interpreting it through the law. Mm-hmm. The quote-unquote law, this idea, is again kind of what I disagree with. Because... Yes, I agree that we want to push each other forward. We want to be pushed forward and be better so we can push the other person forward mm-hmm. and be better and better people and learn more throughout our entire experience mm-hmm. on this planet Earth. But if it's a planet. <laughs> may not be. <laughs> Check Podcast out number one. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but put it, like yeah, the uh, perception through this law of value or your worth is measured by how much more value you give than receive in payment is again like when you break it down into that personal relationship is problematic because i believe that like you're saying it's a give and it's a take it's an equal balance you know and so in order for that to happen you, you must be able be giving as much as the other person there's there's an equality there, mm-hmm. but that does not measure your worth. The if you are giving more than somebody else, 
that leads you to become drained because you're you're constantly giving and you're not being supplied. There's you know it's like the law of thermodynamics, yeah, a physics law. Energy can only be taken out or put into a system; it cannot be created or destroyed. Right. And so when we're talking about these laws and Again, like, we'll filter them through the nomenclature of idea, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm quote-unquote. Your true worth as a human, I do not believe, is measured in how much more value you give into a situation than what you receive. I think economically, if you're a businessman or um, some sort of politician and you're giving more into your society or trying to give more than what you're taking, mm-hmm. then I think absolutely these are great, great rules for success. Yeah. But when we start going out, out on the limb further into your personal lives, into, you know, just you being able to, like, have self-discipline or something like that. Yeah. Like, again, your true worth is not going to be measured by how much more you put into a situation than what it gives back. You know, say if it's you're working out, the amount of value, aka like effort you're mm-hmm. putting into that situation, is how much value you're going to get out of that later. There's an there's an equalizing, there's an equal opportunity, equal exchange kind of happening, mm-hmm. and you may be having to put more energy in in order to like to see a result you know you may have to lift for three or four weeks in order to see you know an increase in muscle mass but that is not due to a lack of equal exchange that's due to the fact that the energy that you're putting into that situation is being filtered through you know the the goal and the um the kind of the the needs of the system you see mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. it kind of gets dispersed yeah throughout your whole body it's there's still a focus area but it gets dispersed everywhere when you're putting that effort in and so this this law of value i have disagreement with it because the your true worth is it? I disagree with the, the law that your true worth is measured by how much more you give in the value than what you take. I hear you. So I guess my a question for you would be then, mm-hmm. um, in a more personable relationship or even an interpersonal relationship with yourself, what do you think kind of gives people that measurement of worth? The measurement there, of value? Yeah, is there a significant thing that kind of determines how, how valuable you are? And not necessarily in a societal standpoint, but just in terms of how much you actually give to the ecosystem that we interact in, you know? Is there kind of a, a unique identifier in an interpersonal or a personable um, situation that you would look for to see? Or to kind of measure that, or is it almost an immeasurable type of, um, I guess, type like immeasurable, you know, piece of information that you can't mm-hmm. really put a pinpoint into? I think when we're talking about personal worth, 
as a human being, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's immeasurable. Okay. I think you, we're talking about a net worth, you know, pretty pretty measurable. We mm-hmm. can do some pretty fine estimates. But again, you know, when you look up the net worth of Bill Gates or Elon Musk, they'll give you an estimate, a best guess, but right. there's no exact answers. And so even when we're talking about personal worth, there's no there's no unique identifier. There's no milestone that you will specifically hit that says that tells you you're valuable now. You have worth. Mm-hmm. I believe you're you're given worth and potential for worth as a baby, as a child. Mm-hmm. And it can either be cultivated or it can be neglected or even sabotaged. Yeah. Uh, depending on your circumstances when you're born. But I believe that at a certain point in your life, and it'll change for everybody, but there will be a certain point in your life that kind of makes you stop and think. And maybe that is the milestone that says, hey, you have value now. Mm. Maybe, but I don't think so. Because I think that that stopping and thinking moment of, hey, maybe I can change things. Maybe I can be better. I don't think that's the milestone of worth. I think that's a milestone of a shift in perspective, a milestone of growth. Yeah. Of, But it's not a change in worth because you're still worthy as a human being. You may not be, you may be taking more. You know, say there's somebody with a disability mm-hmm. who can't really produce anything. And they just can kind of exist and they have to be toted around and washed and, you know, they're not, they're not productive, so to speak, but they still have worth. They have inherent worth through their being. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And again, this is just a distinction between a career kind of perspective on these laws and a more in- personable and interpersonal kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. But you, can, you cannot deprive somebody of worth. They can deprive themselves of worth. You know, if you have Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, they degrade themselves by directly harming and choosing to harm other people. Mm. And I think that negates your worth. But at a certain point, you cannot, like, like, kind of continue to gain worth. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, I definitely hear you. So basically... If I understand this right, you kind of, the way you view it is like, a human life is almost invaluable. Meaning it can't, you can't put a, a value on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Which is kind of what, you know, America's built on in general. Is the is trying intrinsic, to value. intrinsic, invaluable nature of human beings. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Makes sense. Yeah. And so, what is what is your perspective on it now? Kind of hearing my piece, are you are your thoughts on law number one changed at all? Are they altered? Do you agree with the nomenclature of law? Or are we still? So I would say that if okay, I think it's very important to first of all make the distinction between career success or um, economic success and interpersonal success. 
I would say if we're talking about the interpersonal side, I would agree with you 100%. I don't think that I don't think that you can put a put an, uh, a value on human life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if you're kind of talking, and I think I think a lot of people struggle with this more so, and I might I might be wrong. I have no problem being wrong, but um, I think people a lot of the times tie their human worth in with their economic worth or their the career value. Absolutely. And so I think I think these ideas in that nature are very applicable because mm-hmm. you, with the law of value, you cannot expect to get more than what you put into your work, right? Um, if you do, that's just selfish and, quite frankly, egotistical. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot expect to be compensated or given something for not doing anything. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like the quote-unquote issue with millennial workers that a lot of the older folks have with Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. is they have a uh, they have an understanding of their worth as a human but they don't understand how that translates into a workforce into a workplace. Or even into society in general, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I I would say that you know I think your I think your analysis of human worth and you know what kind of makes people valuable is spot on. I don't think that there is something that you can uniquely identify that kind of makes people valuable. I think people have their own amounts of value within them, and I do believe that it is limitless. It's really only a matter of like how much are you willing to put into yourself and how much are you willing to take from others when they're willing to give, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people which actually kind of kind of rolls into, you know, number 2, which is the law of compensation, um and, you know, it talks about your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So like you can't you can't expect to receive something without doing something. I don't know how many times I have to repeat this, but it just seems like so blatantly obvious you know so fundamental right and so for people to assume that they just deserve something just for being here i think is ridiculous i think you have value as a person but you do not have the right to whatever you feel is fit for your life i think that a lot of the times you know people people can't distinguish between the two, right? Mm-hmm. And so they assume that just because they have innate, innate value as a human being, they have an innate value as a citizen of a country or in a workplace environment. And those two things are totally separate, right? So I think for people to assume that like you can make as much as you want just simply by doing whatever you want it doesn't work. It might work in the short run. You know, you see a lot of people who get rich or who have success because they just have that no-fuck-given attitude. Mm-hmm. They just don't care. Well, eventually it comes back to bite you in the ass every mm-hmm. single time. You know, I've had experiences with it, not on a grand scale, but I've had small experiences with it, and I believe other people has as well. Um, eventually, if you just take and take and take, the world, karma, God, whatever you decide to believe in, will take it back because you have not earned it. Mm-hmm. I believe that earning things are very, very vital 
and a lot of people believe that things should just be given to them. Yeah, I uh, for this one again, the only disagreement really I have is the law, you know. Right. Um, but for this one, it's pretty cut and dry for a business-related example. Like your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how you would measure income on an personal, interpersonal kind of scale. Yeah. So I, th- I, I don't really have any disagreements with what you've said on this law and this law in general besides it being... A law. These should be rules of success because rules are meant to be broken. Or theories. <laughs> the- whatever. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, yeah, I definitely could see the, the the trouble with trying to place the second the second idea onto an interpersonal type of relationship or even a personable type of relationship. Or intrapersonal is the real word for it. Um, putting this type of idea to that doesn't really work. Because you're not expecting an income. You're not really expecting much from... At, at least you shouldn't be. You shouldn't from be. a personal relationship. Right. You shouldn't be. So it's like... I definitely can go back to your initial argument how, you know, it doesn't work. And again, this is a very important distinction. You have to be able to distinguish between personal value and societal value. Absolutely. You know? So important. So, so important. And I think a lot of the times, especially now, I think people are trying to cross the lines like, oh, I'm human, and oh, I'm an American, so I deserve whatever. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Just because you were born here doesn't mean shit. Yeah. You got lucky. You I got lucky. You got lucky. Free college. You don't deserve, you know, it's not a to right. be provided every single want and need. I think that the kind of social movements that we're seeing right now with the Black Lives Matter and that whole situation, mm-hmm. I think those are great movements where we're fed up with the lack of personal value being being seen by the police force. Mm-hmm. And I think predominantly, predominantly, it is the black community who feels the brunt of it. But I've also seen many stories of... Hispanics, Asians, even some white people who have experienced police brutality and mm-hmm. now with these peaceful protests going on and the you know, the rioting's mostly stopped from what I've seen. As far as I'm aware. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, folks, don't don't quote me. <laughs> don't shoot me in the back for that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I I really agree with, you know, what's going on. You know, we need to integrate the personal value of all of our citizens mm. into the law in that way so that there is no gray area where if you are kneeling on a man's neck for nearly nine minutes, you get to walk away scot-free. Yeah. Or the police union comes in and saves your ass or alters documents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. just there is, don't come after me, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. But I think you're seeing... You're seeing a real positive response to that, saying enough, mm-hmm. no more. Yeah. And again, like I think, I think you're absolutely right, though, in that distinction between the personal value and the societal value. Where if you try to exacerbate that personal value and that kind of baseline, and be like, hey, you know, like this is not okay, and enough is enough, and try to 
get greedy and take too much and turn this into, okay, well, now, say, you know, the police have to wash our cars now. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, yeah. that is when, you know, your your personal value as a human being becomes greedy and selfish and unworthy. Right. Really. Yeah. I would 100% agree. I think, I think, um... We often try to blur the lines between a role in a position and the intrinsic value of human beings. And I think it's very apparent in what's going on in the country right now is that for so long we've been blurring those lines that nobody even knows where the line is anymore. Mm -hmm. And so now you're seeing the civil unrest because it's gone so far over the edge that we physically cannot save it. So, I would 100% agree. I think that um, I think that people oftentimes, in a in a crisis situation or in a situation where there is potential for progress, a lot of people try to take advantage of it, and that's mm-hmm. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of like the rioting and the looting, and not even necessarily the rioting because I've actually heard quite a few um, perspectives on the rioting, which I don't necessarily disagree with 100%. You know, I I do understand. I do hear your guys' argument for the rioting. Um, it when makes, you say rioting, do you mean peaceful protests or no? What, like, what do you mean by riots? Like legit, like you know, tearing down statues, burning shit, doing all sorts of things. Like I read something today about the coal miners um, back in I think it was the '60s or something. Mm-hmm. But basically, the coal miners went on strike because they were being treated unjustly by the companies and the government was not stepping in to help ease that ease that pain. So what they did is they blew up the coal mine, they stopped working, they blew up a train, they blew up a bridge, they fucked up the day, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what got people's attention. And so I definitely understand okay. that yeah. perspective, right? I see that. I see that. But I also see a very fine line between getting your point across in a very flamboyant way and just completely destroying the things that we have built as a community mm-hmm. right and so i think i think a lot of people are trying to take advantage of a situation when they shouldn't be and that's where you get the, the egotistical the selfishness the i think i deserve more than i actually do type of mentality um it's people who believe that they are uh that they're, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, that they are worthy of having these things mm-hmm. without doing anything for it. Yeah, that they are deserving. Yeah, that that's a good word for it. These things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of, um, it does it does tie into it all, of that wants and need and deserving mentality of, you know, coming in and changing changing a riot into a looting situation mm-hmm. where you see who was it was it jake paul i think it was jake yeah, paul jake paul looting some store i don't know what it was if it was nike if it was some small business or whatever it was it's like how much money are you taking from kids you know every fucking year mm-hmm. and now during a time of real social change you decide that this is a time that i not even you know, God forbid, like the like Japanese suicide forest where he was trying to gain clout. Right, I remember that. Yeah, 
he was just going in and stealing things that he could well afford mm-hmm. because the opportunity was there. Right. And he contributed to partially wrecking somebody's, probably, most likely somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And that actually kind of rolls into law three, or idea three, rather, which is, you know, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. And so in that situation with Jake Paul, you know, it definitely is clear that he was being extremely selfish. He was not He was not there to support uh, BLM. He was not there to show empathy and sympathy for the people that have been affected by this. Mm-hmm. He was simply there to gain... Gain attention and, and a free pair of shoes. Yeah, I and guess. maybe have some fun or something. I don't. I don't even understand his justification for it. No, me neither. But it's like you have to, you have to put people's interests first if you want to be an actual influential character in society or in any any part of life. Really, if you don't try to place other people's interests before your own then you'll always come across as selfish. And you'll always be looked at as the guy who doesn't give a fuck about anybody but themselves. And mm-hmm. that is not something you want either, you know? And again, there is a distinction between self-preservation and selflessness. Mm-hmm. You need to preserve yourself. You need to make sure that you're able to eat, sleep, drink water, take care of yourself before you're able to influence these other people and, and extend your influence. However... That does not mean that is not a get out of jail free card for th- these behaviors that we sometimes say. Oh, it was just I needed that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like oh, I don't know what happened. It was just the heat of the moment. I I followed my my instincts. Like why why are these your instincts? You know, right? If you're in the middle of a protest against brutality, and overexertion of force. Mm -hmm. Why is your first thought when things start getting rough is, I'm going to overexert my influence and my wants and needs, and again, my overextend my worth into the store over here. Mm -hmm. You know? It makes absolutely no sense to me how people can get that confused. But there is a distinction between that self-preservation and that kind of selfishness or selflessness. Yeah, definitely. Excuse me. Um, No, I 100% agree. I think it's like... It's a... And maybe this is just a, a jaded perspective from from our point of view, and I'm totally okay with that as well. We're just a couple of dumb twenty year old kids from Idaho. Yep, like, just giving our two cents, putting in our two cents on this topic, and we could be wrong. We definitely could be wrong. But go on. You know, tell me if I'm wrong. I would love to hear your guys' opinions. But um, Please, we love feedback. But you know, it, it baffles me that somebody can assume that they're more valuable than somebody else, or that they have. That they're, you know, they can force their will on other situations just at at pleasure. You know, it baffles me that people think that they have that type of control over their surroundings. You know, mm-hmm. you only have you only have control over your actions, and for you to use your actions to impose your will on somebody else or to 
do uh, an act which is in all in everybody's eyes, you know, heinous. It's not okay. How can you have that that perspective? You know, is it really just a matter of thinking you're the hottest shit on the block, or is it is it something else? You know, and I guess I could throw that question kind of to you and see what you think, but it just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have a good answer for you <laughs> as to why people think the, these things. You know, when I am going about my life and I'm trying to use my influence and my actions to change the world around me, I I am not thinking how how am I going to, you know, mess this up for the people that I live with? How am I going to inconvenience them? Mm-hmm. My thoughts are you know, wow, this is inconvenient, you know, or the the dishes are dirty, we need to mow the lawn. And instead of saying, hey, you know, hey, Ty, hey, hey, you, why don't you come and mow the yard or do the dishes? I'll use my influence and my actions to positively, I believe, affect the world around me. And there's the the forethought and the the process of, you know, is this going to hurt somebody if I'm doing some sort of new project or something where where it's you know not as harmless as doing the dishes? Yeah. You know, I I think to myself, who is this going to hurt anybody? If so, who? How can I avoid that? Right. And I think, I think the, where the issue lies, kind of where you know when we, you see these examples of the bastardization of influence is people getting, you know, like, like I said before, as like the defense, you know, they get lost in the moment, quote unquote, and they don't process. How is this going to affect a, you know, my reputation? If mm-hmm. it's someone like a Derek Chauvin or, you know, Jake Paul and mm-hmm. the looting, mm-hmm. you know, how is this going to affect my reputation? They don't even think that far, let alone they do they think, how is this going to affect an, this other person? Yeah. Derek Chauvin did not think to himself that, is that how... Is dog? Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I thought that was something else. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> we'll cut that in post, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you think we can do that? You way over expecting from us. Yeah, guys, chill the fuck out, okay? <laughs> this is a this is a fly by the seat of our pants type of thing. <laughs> we're just we're just putting in our two cents. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, when you have the uh Derek Chauvin type, they're not thinking how is my influence, how are my actions right now going to affect George Floyd? Mm-hmm. How is it? they're not even thinking how is this going to affect you know, 4 minutes from now when it's been 5 minutes? already like they can't even after five minutes like they won't even take the time to consider how their actions are affecting people right i think i i don't know why it happens i don't know why people in general and i'm guilty of this too but never to you know such an extent as to make a decision so horrible but People get lost in not being able to think things through and being able to, you know, keep important facts in their brain of, like, how their influence affects people. And 
for this one, I I would somewhat agree for like, the law of influence in the uh, in an, a personal uh, facet. Mm-hmm. I would somewhat agree with the law of influence, stating that your influence is determined how abundantly you pl- place other people's interests first. I would absolutely agree with that um, in a business setting and then somewhat agree with that in the personal setting because how how you interact with and how you influence people around you relationship-wise is so, 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 so important. And being able to think about, okay, how is what I'm going to say next going to affect the mood of this person or thinking about how how I'm going to say this next thing is going to affect the mood of this person is so abundantly important that for a personal standpoint I would agree for the law with the law of influence uh, somewhat I think that sometimes when you're in a personal situation you need to put your own interests and your own needs first but again if you self-preserve first and then you act you'll be more equipped to be a better deal with these situations yeah and i think that pretty well takes us into the next law of the law of authenticity is the most value valuable gift that you have to offer is yourself and you actually before we started recording kind of had a little bit of contention with this one as well um so do you mm-hmm. kind of elaborate on that a bit yeah, and so it kind of goes back to what I was saying before with my contention with the law, like calling them laws, and um, the distinction between the personal and the business aspect of things. Uh, when you're when you're framing your worth around what you have to offer, you're never going to be able to offer enough. There's always something more that you could have done and you're going to beat yourself up. And so I think for, you know, as a law, it's not good. But if you take this as a piece of advice and take it with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. it can be very, very helpful to you. And specifically with the law of influence, I think, the um, law of authenticity will help fuel that. Um, By being your most authentic self, you will be able to influence the most people in the most positive ways. Yeah, because I feel like... I feel like when you... When you come across to people and you are putting on a shtick or, you know, you're kind of inflating yourself, even if it's a... Say it's a personal situation, like you're going to a party or something, and you're just not really in the mood to party. Um, but you put on the face anyways, and you go and you have fun, and you, or you try to have fun at least, and you know you smile and pretend like you're having fun, laugh, dance a little bit. But deep down you know you're not, like this isn't something that you're really wanting to do right now. Mm-hmm. Those types of situations definitely lead to being inauthentic, which make people feel less comfortable around you. Mm-hmm. And so I think... And even lead you to feeling less comfortable around others when you're being inauthentic. Or even around yourself, you know. When mm-hmm. if you if you can't ring true to who you really are or who believe who you believe you are, at least, um, if you're always trying to, you know, mold and bend and make yourself feel more 
useful to the people around you versus just doing what you do best. And people pick up on that vibe naturally. And I think people are more turned off by it because it makes you feel like that person is hiding something or they're Mm -hmm. trying to get something out of you. And so if you allow yourself to just be the best possible version of yourself, that is the most valuable gift that you can give. Um, You know, again, I would agree that, you know, using the word law is kind of an overreach a little bit just Mm -hmm. because... You know, if we run with the definition that you gave, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, but if you were to look at these as more of a, an idea or, a, you know, something to kind of give you advice off of, then, yeah, if you go day-to-day trying to just be who you are and not trying to play to other people's expectations of who you should be, then you'll have more success in your life. And, honestly, I think... I think with this rule, and I think this is where our disagreement is a little bit, I think this rule more more so applies to interpersonal and uh, business or, you know, career success. Because even in an interpersonal relationship, like, for instance, you and me, when when we first started hanging out, right, you really didn't like me that much. You thought I was kind of a prick. I mean... You're right, you're right. I'm not, yeah, I know. And so, and that's because I was trying to put on a front for somebody. I was trying to be somebody that I thought would be a good person to, you know, be, basically. Mm-hmm. I was trying to be a tough guy. I was trying to be this, you know, know-it-all type of individual. And that came across to you very negatively. Mm-hmm. Over time, and I'm grateful that you did, over time, you know, you kind of gave me the benefit of the doubt and you let me open up a little bit. And, you know, you kind of got to know me more, more so. Mm-hmm. And I think with me allowing myself to, to show you my authentic self, it allowed you to kind of open your mind a little bit to being more connected with me as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would agree with what you're saying, but um, I think being an authentic self is absolutely necessary in your personal relationship. Um. I just, I don't know, like, again, it's that framing of the words, of framing it around what you can give to other people. Mm. You know, you Mm -hmm. need, you need to, and maybe this just comes from my own kind of lack of self-worth for a long time, kind of being down on myself for wanting to give more and not doing enough, but there needs... I guess there needs to be a little bylaw or something within these <laughs> that says, oh, by the way, you are enough, but, you know, you just need to uh, be your authentic self and, you know, that, that uh, that's going to get you a lot farther in life, you know? Yeah. Um, saying the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself is... I, I don't like how it's framing a relationship around you know, what you can give to somebody. It needs mm. to be that give and take, that equal exchange, that equal opportunity that we were talking about earlier. There needs to be that reciprocal yin-yang flowing nature. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. Um, I guess I guess my only pushback to be to that would be that, like, 
yes, you do want a yin and yang in an interpersonal relationship, most definitely, or intrapersonal, rather. Um, you definitely want that yin and yang, but you can't control the yang, right? You can only control your yin, mm-hmm. so to speak. For sure. Um, so it's like, if you, just to kind of defend this idea, if you were to just give yourself to that, and the other party also does the same, then you get that kind of experience of the yin and yang. But mm-hmm. you cannot you cannot experience that unless you're willing to just be your authentic self. Be your truest self. Be the person that you see yourself being, not the person that you see others seeing you as, right? And so I think I think that'd be my only pushback with that. Um, but I, I definitely agree that, like, there has to be give and take in an, in an interpersonal relationship. You have to be willing to take on some pain and then give some pain because you can't carry everything on your own, right? It mm-hmm. goes back to the self-preservation thing. Yeah, if you try to sure. carry it all, you will collapse. It just is inevitable. No it's one's Superman. No one's God, right? Not yet. Not yet, at least. <laughs> so Come on, science. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I would... Uh, I would agree, and you know, actually, I wanted to bring this up before we moved on to authenticity. But um, we were watching the, or what was it, the video about uh, the Midnight Gospel? The Midnight Duncan Gospel. Russell. Yeah. Who yeah. is it? Who did that video? Wisecrack. Wisecrack. That's really great YouTube channel, folks. Go check out Wisecrack on YouTube and check out on Netflix Duncan Trussell's new show, The Midnight Gospel. It is. Incredibly amazing. I cannot give it enough props. Go check it out. Sorry to interrupt. Go oh, on. no, you're fine. See, I think that's important because I actually haven't seen this uh, this Netflix series. And this Wisecrack video that we were watching before we started recording is kind of the only really, like, snippet of this that I was uh, exposed to. But I think it, it brought up a really good point of mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that also kind of ties into the influence. Is like, if you aren't aware of what you're doing in the day-to-day, in the second-to-second, you cannot expect others to be aware of what's going on in your life. You know, mm-hmm. you you have to be mindful with your actions every single second of every single day. It sounds exhausting, but it's... But it's when you do it, when it happens, and it becomes the habit, and you get into the flow, it is no longer exhausting. It is a battery charger. It's it is magic. Yeah. It, it is incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not even saying, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm not even not. saying that uh, it's something that can be turned on all the time because it just no. it can. Yeah. You know, everyone gets in their own head. Everyone gets a little selfish. Everybody, you know, has those spurs. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you attempt to be aware of your surroundings and what effect you're having on other people, not just what effect you're having on yourself, then you're more likely to see success in in your different facets of life, whether it be business, whether it be career, whether it be relationships, you know? You're mm-hmm. having that mindfulness and having that ability to understand, okay, if I take this step, what are the ripples that are going to come off of this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like throwing a... It's like throwing a a stone into still water there's always a ripple and it continues on right it breaks off a little bit and it gets smaller but there's a ripple and so you kind of as a as an individual i think that it is imperative to have that understanding of your ripples know what your ripples are know how those ripples are impacting people as much as you can obviously Mm -hmm. um 
but just being aware of what is going on in yourself and in the people around you. I think that greatly ties into the influence and the authenticity, because once you start doing that more and more, I feel like it lets you be who you really are inside, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that mindfulness, that authenticity, the influence, it all kind of, it circles together into kind of how you manifest yourself into the world, you know? And, again, like, we, I, I suppose these are really good laws, because we're sitting down, we're having a conversation about it, we're, you know, finding out more about ourselves and life in general. Mm-hmm. So... I can't disparage the laws or the authors at all. Right. You know, there's that is just not even you know the goal of what I'm trying to get at. But I want to understand more of what what's going on beneath these laws. What you know, what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And I think we're doing pretty good at getting down to that. Yeah, <laughs> and I would definitely say um, if you haven't read the book or if you haven't heard of the Go Giver. It's a very short book, and it's actually, I'm not a huge reader myself, but this book is is structured in a way where it tells a story. It tells a story of an individual who goes through, just kind of give a synopsis, he's, a, he's an individual, I think he works on Wall Street if I remember right, or he's some sort of finance guy, um, but he goes through, and he, he, sets his, he sets his expectations high, but he doesn't see the results that he's wanting, mm-hmm. and because of that, he goes on this on this journey to try to understand what it is that he's lacking in. And through that, it kind of tells the story of this guy who is known as the chairman. And it, it, it lays out the path that he took as an individual and things that he learned in life that helped him get to where he is. Cause he's a very successful businessman. And I think this actually is partially based on a true story. Probably not, but Maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Didn't read that much. Uh, <laughs> to our last podcast. Uh, Nothing's real. Everything's real. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really good story. It It's a very smooth read. You know, you don't feel like you're being lectured or you don't feel like you're getting overloaded with a bunch of information. It's an actual storyline. So I definitely recommend giving it a read. And diving more into the background of each of these things because there's a there's a build up in the story that kind of helps perpetuate these ideas a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And it's of course it's it's surrounded mainly up around business and success and career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important that you can you can definitely pull some of this into everyday life, and so. I kind of started rambling, but uh, yeah, definitely give it a look into. I think it's I think it's a good read. It's only about three hundred pages or so, so it can be done in a week. Yeah, you know, maybe less. Absolutely. Um, Sounds like it's a really good book, and if you were looking for something to kind of give you a little push, maybe give you a more intelligible, in depth conversation on these laws, then go ahead and give it a read. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, I absolutely. I loved it when I read it. You know, I was going through this. Uh, this training thing for um, this company who was kind of looking to almost hire me on. It was a little bit, a little bit confusing. Um, it's called the Amway Corporation. I recommend not getting into it simply because <laughs> it's a very, um, 
it's a very pyramid schemey type of business model. Okay. It's okay, one of okay. the it's one of the better uh, multi level marketing businesses. One of the better pyramid schemes. This but, is the pyramid scheme of Giza for sure. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's definitely like it's it's recognized by the BBB. It's you know. It's an accredited business. Oh, PBB, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Where did your standards go? Oh, I don't even know, man. They went out the window about 40 years ago. <laughs> At least. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was going through this training, kind of learning about the Amway Corporation, how they work, and all that stuff. And I was recommended to read this book, and I definitely, during that period of my life, I was feeling a little down in the dumps, you know. Shit was just hitting the fan, it felt like, every single day. You know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was given enough or... I wasn't even trying hard enough. Um, and then I read this book and I kind of, it kind of put some things into perspective for me. It, it made me realize like, what, what are the important things to be successful? And I feel like most people nowadays are just trying to be successful in, you know, financial, in mm-hmm. career, in business. It seems like that is the biggest struggle that's hitting, hitting our country right now. Absolutely. Um, but it definitely allowed me to kind of take a step back and just, have a new perspective on what matters in a in a in a relationship and what's important to bring more value to a situation than take away more value. So, yeah, definitely something to read into. Um, there was one more law. It's called the law of receptivity. It's the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this one actually kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. Um, okay, why is that? So in the book, it. It talks about how, you know, you can't you can't be a giver unless you're willing to take which which baffled me a little bit, but yeah, it's a bit of an oxymoronic statement. Absolutely. Um but the the idea behind it is that you can't be willing or you can't be opposed to taking something from somebody who's willing to give it to you, right? So it's like you and I have talked about this a few times like if somebody's offering it, don't turn it down. Mm-hmm. That's just foolish. Exactly. So you have to be willing to take – if somebody's willing to help you or give you something or push you to another position, you have to be willing to take that. You can't play the humble card like, oh, I don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. Nobody mm-hmm. cares how humble you are at that point. You know, you've proven yourself. You've proven your worth. And someone is willing to compensate you for that in whatever facet that may be. So you have to be willing to take that that gift, take that compensation in order to be able to give more. Because again, you can't, you know, you, you can only fill your bucket so much and you have to, I think you have to have a nice blend of things in your bucket in order to actually feel accomplished. So having that ability to humbly and nobly receive stuff from people as well as give as much as you can to people really is a good duality to things. Um, it, it, it allows you to kind of, play both parts at the same time, which Absolutely. I think is super imperative. Yeah, it is, again, that kind of yin and yang idea, but instead of the yin and yang being between you and somebody else, it is the yin and yang within yourself, where you have to have, you have to find your balance of giving and receiving. Now, again, if you are disabled or you have some sort of problem that leads to you not being able to be a productive quote-unquote member of society, then you're going to be receiving a lot more than you are giving. However, that does not 
you know, again, we talked about this before, that does not affect your value. Mm-hmm. However, being able to, when you have the opportunity, help out. You know, say you, you know, say you're bedridden, you know, or you're confined to the house or something, and you can't go out and do anything. Like the, you can get up and move around the house, and you're still physically active. Mm-hmm. Well, then the least you can do is you know pick up a pick up some clothes, dirty laundry or something, dust a little bit, being able to give that, so that way you can receive from whatever other, whatever other housemates are there taking care of you, you know, providing, like, the house and the food and everything. Mm -hmm. In order to receive that, you must give a little bit. You must give a part, what you can, in order to receive what you need. Yeah. And... In order to receive what you need, you need, or in order to, rather, give what you would like to give, you need to be able to receive what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree. I think it's, I think, you know, if you were to go to the um, housemate uh, example that you just brought up, you know, it's it's super important. And also, like, if you if you have people that you live with or, you know, even your family... If they see you putting in some effort here and there, then they're naturally going to be more motivated to put that effort in as well. Because I think people have a natural ability to lend a helping hand. Um, I think that over our history, it hasn't really been brought up as much. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, but I think that uh, you know, in a, in a housemate situation, if you if you have people in your life that are giving, it makes you kind of feel shitty if you're not also giving, you know, because you're receiving everything they're giving at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. So it it motivates you even more so to be a better person and push yourself because you see others around you pushing themselves. So again, it goes back to that personal responsibility thing of like. You can only control what's right in front of you. You can only control what you do on a day-to-day basis. And people around you will naturally start to notice that, which ties back into the law of influence. You know, people will Mm -hmm. see what you're doing and work off your influence and work off of your momentum and try to better themselves. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you should... A rising tide lifts all boats, and you should try to be that rising tide. Mm -hmm. You know, stop trying to beat the boat in the water, just waiting for the tide to come. Be the tide that lifts the boats. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's all, it all feeds into each other. You know, in order to be influential, you must be authentic. In order to be authentic, you must be able to receive what you need and know when you can give. Mm -hmm. In order to use your influence effectively, you need to be mindful of your surroundings. Yeah. It all kind of feeds back into each other. Again, my biggest issue, I think, is with the law of value, saying that your true worth is measured by how much you more you give in value than what you receive in payment. Mm-hmm. I think in a personal relationship kind of sphere, that's problematic. But when, regardless of what you're doing, if you are not mindful of your actions... And mindful of 
knowing what you need to receive and what you need to give, then you will not be able to be authentic, which will lead to a corrupted or negative influence. Mm-hmm. So I think it all feeds back into itself and kind of is, you know, the never-ending circle of life and just trying to find the balance of the day-to-day activities. Yeah. Life's a game, guys. Life, in my opinion, is a game. And mm-hmm. I think I think little snippets of information like this here and there, you know, it definitely gives you a leg up in the game of called life. So, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt for sure. Uh, check out the book if you're interested. But... Most importantly, I'd love to hear you guys' feedback. You know, if you guys disagree with us, um, if you agree with us, you know, let us know. Um, you can reach out to us on the podcast, comments. You know, we both have social media. Um, yeah. Uh, again, Instagram, at hip, Happy Hippie TD, or on Facebook, Happy Hippie Tie Dye. You can shoot me a message about either the podcast or if you see a dye that you like to buy, then mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. There's no better way to express yourself than getting a nice custom-made tie-dye, handmade. Oh, oh absolutely. And I don't have any uh, personal business accounts right now or anything like that. I'm kind of just flying solo. So if you want to follow me at my personal account, at underscore Andrew Carlisle, you're more than welcome to. I don't have a Twitter because fuck Twitter. Um, Agreed. I only use Facebook every once in a while, so you can look me up on there. But, you know, reach out to us, guys. I'd love to hear what you guys think. I'd love to know your opinions, and I'd love to start a dialogue with you. So... Um, With that, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm Andrew. I'm Brad. Thank you guys for listening. You know, it means so much to us. And again, we want your feedback. Send us a message. What did you think about what we had to say? Did we miss something that you thought of? Whatever it may be, go ahead and send it in to us. And thank you so much for watching. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.